Hey, my name is Zach, and this is the Plaid Jacket Philosopher, the podcast for tradespeople in the blue-collar middle class. I'm hoping to punch a few holes in the stereotypes that surround blue-collar workers and hopefully share a lot of the stories behind how we got into our line of work and the honest joy you can get from working outside of the office space. The plan is to mix in interviews as well as some solo stories from job sites, fatherhood, and personal experiences that led me to where I am today. Some will be funny, some will be personal, but hopefully any and all content here can help broaden what your opinion is of the blue-collar middle class. So today I'm here with Dustin. Uh, we actually got kind of linked up between, uh, we had a mutual classmate through electrical school. I went to school with Josh in first year, and I don't know what year you guys went to school together, but I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, but he kind of recommended I reach out to you. You have an amazing story. I'm not going to tease it or, or ruin it by any means. <laughs> you can you can kind of explain it all for yourself, but I'll give you a few seconds here to kind of introduce yourself and uh, yeah, we'll take it from there. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, my name is Dustin Boydell. I'm 33 years old. Uh, I'm an industrial electrician by trade. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, we got uh, linked up by a mutual friend, Josh. Uh, I don't know if this is throwing him under the bus a bit or not, but I also met him in first year electrical and I think it was his, his second crack at it. So <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. He, he told me that too. And I'm like, ah, we'll see if it comes up. <laughs> I, I he'll, he'll mind. Yeah. I don't think he'll mind. Well, he might, but whatever, he'll get over it. <laughs> yeah. He's a good guy. So, Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. But uh, no, anyways, he told me about your podcast. And so I gave it a listen and I was eager to, to jump in and kind of talk a little bit about, my life in trades and how it kind of changed. Yeah, drastically, but we'll, drastically. we'll get into that. Um, yeah. yeah, thanks so much for coming on. I mean, like we were kind of talking before this, but your story really changed my perspective on a lot of things. And I, I really appreciate it. I just, I think it's incredible. Same with just, <laughs> just kind of the charisma that you carry. Even the first time we talked on the phone to just kind of touch base, I was kind of, I was kind of blown away really. Like, I, yeah, I, I just well, find it incredible. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. So uh, you said you're an electrician. Um, yes. So you met uh, Josh through school and you also said that you're also an electronics technician. Yeah. So I kind of started out out of high school. Um, didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life um, as many 18 year olds encounter these yeah. days. I have a million different choices nowadays. So it's, it's tough to know what you want to do. So after slugging around a bit, I did my 10 month uh, course for electronics common core. And it was uh, kind of a baseline to go into maybe industrial instrumentation at the time. I ended up landing a job with Komatsu uh, SMS equipment. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they started apprenticing me as an industrial electrician um, because of my electronics background. They actually had an electronics lab that they wanted me to kind of work in and kind of work towards taking over. Uh, and then the 2000 what year was it when the economy kind of took a downturn in the early 2010s there oh yeah, um, yeah right mining yeah about 2012 2013 2014 there when when it really went bad and ended up laid off so i kind of left there finished my apprenticeship with finning canada and became an industrial electrician and that uh, was my trade since then Right on. And uh, has it taken you anywhere kind of interesting? I mean, yeah, like I, I got into mining and oil field and did you find anywhere that you really, really enjoyed it? Uh, it took me into some interesting uh, learning experiences. I didn't really get to travel much. I was just kind of getting into the field work um, when my injury happened. Mm -hmm. uh, that we'll discuss in a little bit. 
but uh, I think the most interesting thing was getting to know the mining equipment and the electronics behind uh, the big haul trucks. Oh yeah. So that was, uh, I specialized in rebuilding like electronic components for like the uh, control cabinets and that for the, the big, big uh, 930 Komatsus and, and stuff like that. So it was, it was pretty fun and pretty interesting. And I got to experience a lot and I got to hear a lot of good stories. You know, you hear from all the other guys, you know, one guy I worked with told me about how he went to Turkey to rebuild a, rebuild a control cabinet and the safety protocols and that. And, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of learn through, uh, through the older guys you meet in the trade and that, which oh, is kind of, kind of neat. Absolutely. You're, you're probably the guy who, when I like just Frankenstein a machine on site to get it running for a couple more hours it had to get sent back to you to properly be rebuilt I remember yeah. we had we had like a little a little single boom jumbo that we were using to do like cross cuts in the underground mine yeah and this thing was I don't know what year it was from I mean it looked like it was from the 40s but it came up there and whenever they had wired it in they only had one color of like single conductor so I yeah. I kid you not the whole electrical cabinet was ran just in blue single conductor <laughs> <laughs> try try tracing that out like yeah. half of half of the wires didn't even have wire tags on them so you're trying you're yep. literally manually testing these wires out man it drove me nuts but i i totally get where you're coming from i ha i had to work in the field on those things and like i said we usually we frankensteined them up pretty good just to get, get them running for yeah. one more run um but yeah that's pretty cool so that that's a mutual point we have i uh yeah i didn't even realize that you'd worked on that equipment yeah, no, I was one of the lucky ones that I kind of ended up in a shop and kind of stuck there um, just in the Fraser Valley. Uh, I knew going into industrial, I was hoping to get into the field and, and getting into more of that experience, but it just kind of worked out that my career kept me kind of grounded and, and in one spot for the most part. <clears throat> you know, that's awesome. I mean, and, and you have kids as well. You're a father too. So, I mean, when I, uh, that was kind of what pulled me back from the field from working out of town was having kids getting married. Um, now there's no way you could get me out of town. Not for, not for a yeah, long term exactly. thing anymore. Exactly. Yeah. It's just kind of priority shift, but that's awesome. So I figured we could kind of, this is all kind of, again, just leading up to kind of how your incident changed your life, but like what kind of hobbies were you into kind of pre-accident and yeah, what, what kind yeah, of stuff so, did you enjoy doing? You know, I was uh, <clears throat> obviously working full time, but you, you make time for things like sports and that. So I was, I was playing men's league hockey and in the winter and, and in the summers and spring, I would play softball, uh, slow pitch softball. And, uh, playing in leagues and that, and then obviously just, you know, socializing with friends and hanging out and just living a regular balanced life as best I could, you know, keeping my home life happy, keeping myself happy, you know, hanging out with friends and just living like, you know, the average Joe, like not a care in the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I can relate to that. I mean, I play hockey. I'm a goalie. So, you know, a bit of a nutcase. As oh, it so is, you're, but... you got some, some stuff going on. Oh yeah. yeah it's, it's not like your, uh, your average person just goes, starts a podcast to talk into thin air. Exactly. So <laughs> I think there's a, there's a bit of a mental issue there anyway. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, men's league, I find it to be a blast now, like just a kind of way to relax and unwind blow yeah. off a bit of that competitive aggression too. Absolutely. Um, yeah, man. So I guess kind of that gives a good layout. And I mean, most of your story kind of circles around from what happened after. So I'll let you kind of just go into what happened. Yeah. All right. So uh, I was just uh, working as a lead hand for Finn in Canada. And then February, I 
started having a little bit of back pain, just like your average back pain, like uh, you pulled a muscle in your lower back and I didn't think anything of it. So I continued to work and as the week progressed, it started to get worse and worse. And then it became kind of questionable um, about the pain level. It's probably the worst I'd ever felt. And so I started going to the hospital, got it checked out. They, they told me I was just experiencing maybe a, a lumbar strain or a bulging disc. They weren't too concerned about it at first. And then I started to get some numbness in my legs and started to get very concerned. And uh, so I went back to the hospital and they did a CT scan and told me that it looks like I have a bulging disc or some sort of abscess possibility in my lower spine. So when they kept me overnight, uh, the next morning, I started to lose the function of my lower extremities. Uh, I was losing the ability to support my own body weight and to walk and also to uh, use the washroom. So obviously then the panic started to ramp up a bit, both on my side and the medical side as to uh, something was seriously wrong. After the MRI, I revealed that I had an epidural abscess on my L2, L3 vertebrae. Um, the plans were then set in motion to have back surgery and have it removed. So on uh, February 14th, 2018, I was rushed to VGH hospital to have a dual laminectomy, which is where they remove a portion of the vertebrae to relieve the pressure on the spine. And they cut out the abscess. But uh, unfortunately, it was a little bit too late and it left me paralyzed from the waist down um, after surgery. <clears throat> so, in so oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. So 2018, you're, you're 31. And wow, man. And so what when you say that it took too long, did it did it literally sever some connections, some nerves in the spine or what happened? Um, so once the paralysis or the numbness and the neuro issues start to happen mm -hmm. there it's kind of time sensitive once paralysis fully sets in you're kind of on the bubble of it may never come back you could get some of it back you could get all of it back it's just a matter of um how long you've had the full paralysis set in mm -hmm. um, because you can lose the nerves actually within your spinal cord or have damage to your actual spinal cord um, which is typically how um, paralysis or, or, uh, like paraplegia or quadriplegia result is by trauma to the spinal cord. Um, my spinal cord injury is extremely rare, uh, in someone who isn't like a heavy IV drug user or, or introducing, you know, staff into their body regularly. And so, and so we'll just backtrack a second. Is that how you got it was through a staph infection? Yes, it was. It ended up being a staph infection. Um, we tried to trace a source or a cause. Um, the hard thing with staff is it literally lives on everyone's skin right. and it's everywhere. It's one of the most common bacterias. Um, usually people aren't susceptible to it, but once you become susceptible to it, then it progressively gets worse. So it could even be in the form of like, you have a zit that gets a little gnarly. Mm -hmm. Chances are it's probably staff or some form of staff that caused it. And so, you know, we looked back in January, I had like a nose abscess that had a bit of, you know, it was a little bit more red and inflamed than your normal pimple. Yep. Yep. But you know, you don't think anything of it unless it's like not going away, but it went away. So 
you don't go to the doctor or anything like that. Typical 31 year old male. I'm tough. It's just, it's a zit. What am I going to go to the doctor for? Right? Like, come on. Yep. But uh, little did not know that it could cause a blood infection, which, um, you know, they said, maybe I strained my back just a little bit, which caused an increased blood flow to that area, which made the bacteria just that much happier. And it was just bad luck, unfortunately. Something as small as that, hey, like, what are the odds of a staph infection happening there? And did you even know that a staph infection could result in this? I didn't know at the time. No, it was something I learned a lot more about after the fact and, and learned that despite being the rarest, one of the rarest spinal cord injuries, I won't call it the rarest because there are some crazy ones that I didn't know about until like going into a lot of education and that in the rehab hospital. Right. But uh, it is very rare for this injury to occur, especially in, in someone young. Yeah, man, I can't even imagine that. So that, that must've literally like been a 180, like flipped your life on its head at that point. Well, yeah, the, the craziest part was I'm, I'm expecting to go into the surgery and wake up on the other side healed. Totally. So unfortunately I had two different doctors. One told me I'm probably never going to walk again. The other one gave me a little more positive result, but, uh, when you wake up from surgery and the first thing you hear is you may never walk again, your life does do a quick 180. And there's a lot of lot to process that you don't typically process in that moment. <laughs> Man, I can't even imagine that. Like kind of what was your initial reaction to it? Like, did it, did, I mean, personally, if that happened to me, I imagine I would go pretty dark at the very beginning. Like I would have, yeah. especially hearing one doctor tell you that, you're never going to walk again. And I mean, even having the second opinion being that you, you know, a little bit more optimistic, like I just know my tendencies, I would dwell on the idea that this may never come back to me. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, that enters your mind, but I, I've always been a relatively positive person. I tried to be, yep. um, you know, and I just said, no way, there's no way that's true. I was walking two days ago. I was playing hockey four days ago. There's no way that this is gonna, this is my life now you're wrong. You know, that was my initial reaction just because almost anger, right? Like, yeah, you can't tell me what's going to happen. You, you don't know me. You're not the boss of me. No, so. I, I completely can relate to that. And like that progression is insane. So four days before you were playing hockey, you said you got the infection you estimate in January and by Valentine's day in February, you're on this, the operating table. Yeah. Yeah. The hockey thing actually was a friend's hockey tournament that he used to host in February. And I, I was playing on February 9th, the Friday, I played a full hockey game, like with pretty, pretty brutal back pain, not knowing what was really going on. And actually finding out after the fact that was pretty dangerous. Cause had I taken a hit or something that burst that abscess, it could have, uh, potentially killed me or left me a vegetable because of the location and it just would have infected my spinal cord oh my <laughs> and God. gone straight to my brain. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot that was on my side, but also a lot that was against me. So it's, it's a pretty crazy situation altogether. I can't even imagine processing that. Like the idea that, you know, you take, <laughs> you take one nudge wrong, you know, or as a goalie, like I'm always clearing people who are in front, right. A screen. Yeah. I can't even imagine the feeling of going to clear you as a screen and then you just drop like that. That's crazy how close that was. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. man. So like through, through kind of the process, I imagine with you being 
pretty optimistic and kind of carrying that, that attitude forward that this isn't going to be my story. Like it's not going to end this way. Like what have you learned about yourself through this process? Cause I mean, just talking to you now, like you seem yeah, incredibly optimistic, like an incredibly <laughs> strong, a strong person, honestly, to just get to this point and to keep going like this. I learned I was capable of much more than I ever gave myself credit for. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's something that took some time to motivate myself um, to really push myself to try and go through the rehab and go through the training and, and not really just say, well, this sucks and give up and be like, well, this is the cards I've been dealt and what's my life going to be. But then your kids come and see you the first time in the hospital and you realize why you have to do it and, and what you're fighting for and, and who you're fighting for. And, uh, it changes your perspective. Um, I've definitely had moments, fleeting moments of, of, I wouldn't say, you know, depression, but you, you look at it like without them, where would I be? Oh, absolutely. I can like, yeah, single guy, 31, you know, the, the way it changed my social life the loneliness you experience through it, you know, without my wife and kids, I don't know. Honestly, you, you don't know if you would have made it or, or not. It's, it's tough to reflect on sometimes. I, I can imagine. I mean, I've, I've never had an experience like this, but even when I just reflect on certain decisions I made at life, certain points, like they're so heavily influenced by, by you're right, your wife, your kids, like you're always thinking about them. And I can't imagine like that's just would have had to amplify your fight to kind of push through this to get through it. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you're so sorry, your kids, uh, you told me before this, but are 14 and three. Yes. Yeah. So I have a 14 year old daughter and a three year old son. Yeah. So your three year old son would have been what inside of a year when this happened. Yeah, it was just before his first birthday. Yeah. Um, so he was just starting to walk and I was just starting to enjoy teaching him how to do that and all that. And then, so there's those emotions that all came up, um, early on, mm-hmm. you know, right around his first birthday, I'm not going to be able to like stand and hold my son for a picture. I'm going to be sitting in a wheelchair and, and, uh, you know, who's going to teach him how to run and who's going to teach him how to walk and, and who's going to teach him how to play sports. And, and it's all stuff that really just, rapidly runs through your mind and puts you in some pretty shitty places yeah um you know early on but you kind of work through it and and with the wonderful team that they have at the facility i entered um the rehab facility they they really show you what you can do even with a limited use of your body yeah so let's go into kind of what the rehab is like what does that entail is it I'll just kind of let you go ahead with it, but I'm, I'm curious as to how that works. So what happened was I was, I spent uh, about a week and a bit in VGH and then there's a facility in Vancouver called GF strong rehabilitation center. I've, I've heard of it. I'm familiar. Yeah. And so it's been around for a long time. I should have looked up like some information on it, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's all good. It's uh, I think it was developed. I think it opened around the second world war. Um, but, uh, for soldiers that needed rehabilitation. Yep. Um, but they have different levels. So they have amputees, they have uh, stroke and brain injury patients, and then they have a spinal cord injury floor. So basically you move into an apartment, <laughs> a hospital 
and everyone on your floor has some form or level of spinal cord injury. And uh, essentially you do uh, daily physio and occupational therapy to teach you how to live with your injury and, and how you might live outside of this facility. But at the same time, they do uh, social bonding, like uh, wheelchair sports and different outings, different activities out of the facility and, and that sort of thing. And then the, the biggest thing that I benefited from was the education. Um, you know, when you grow up and you take your sciences and that, and they talk about spinal cord injuries and different things, it's like, okay, paraplegic legs don't work. Quadriplegic right. arms and legs don't work. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much the extent of the, the learning you get about it. I was going to say that's At all the my, high school. That's all my knowledge of it. That's why. Yeah. yeah. I'm so interested. But, uh, you know, when you go in and you, you start taking these classes and it's like, well, no, you realize that it's everything yeah. below your injury. Um, you know, you don't feel anything on your skin. You don't uh, feel temperature. You don't, you know, you can't curl your toes. You don't feel itchy. There's nothing. It's literally nothing. You know, your, your digestive system changes from below your injury, not like randomly in a different spot it's, it's like your stomach probably works properly but like your large intestine might not that that is so, something that's um that's incredible to me i never would have thought of that, that yeah and yeah you're right that i was never taught anything about that <laughs> yeah um yeah and so like the biggest thing that leaves day one is shame and humility are gone um because you learn some you learn some interesting things and it's a rapid crash course yeah. Um, did, did you, you find what it, yeah oh, go ahead sorry i was gonna say did you find like um the fact that they were specifically doing those kind of social building activities did you really did you kind of build social networks within the other patients there or did, were you kind of able to lean on each other at all through that absolutely yeah. absolutely it was the biggest thing to have that type of atmosphere where you know there's coffee time and lunch time kind of together in the same common area um, you also have a roommate, um, throughout the process for the most part. Um, some people get lucky and have, if they're independent enough, they get moved into like the solo wing. Yeah. Um, I ended up there towards the end of my stay, but, uh, early on I had a roommate and you just kind of, there are people who understand the shit that you're going through on a different level because they're experiencing the same things, um, that normal able-bodied people don't experience and won't ever really understand because there's there's a lot of pain and 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 things that you feel that on a different level that are uh they're difficult to quantify and very even more difficult to put into words for people oh i believe it like i imagine even kind of your friend circle or you know especially your family your wife and your kids like that would have been such kind of a, a crazy adaptive experience where they would have had to just I can't imagine kind of having to go through that change and to, to tr being able to basically, they're probably trying to relate to you as best they could, but it's, it's almost impossible. Like I can't, I'm having a hard time putting it into words now, just, try, just <laughs> yeah. trying to, you know what I mean? Like I, I yeah, can't exactly. imagine that. And I can't imagine how your friends and family and wife, you know, how they, they would have adapted, but did you, I mean, obviously you found, did you find you were really able to rely on certain, certain friends or family more? 
Uh, definitely you find out who is going to be there for you, but you yeah. also find out, you know, there's different aspects to it because I think a lot of people had a hard time accepting my injury, you know, for themselves. People don't like that sort of situation. And if you can separate yourself from it, it's easier, you know, ignorant, ignorance is bliss, they say. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's hard because you notice a lot of people want to be around, but don't know how to be around. Yeah. And so you get a lot of lip service. You get a lot of um, empty promises. You get a lot of encouragement and a lot of people telling you how awesome you are and how inspiring you are and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. But they don't want to hear about the bad stuff per se. Um, yeah, like I, I can imagine some of it might almost, it probably gets to a point where it might feel a little bit empty. I can yeah, imagine. There's, there's a lot of lonely, lonely days, um, you know, because you lose the easy socializing of just going out to your hockey games or going out to a ball game where your team is there and you just, you can have your BS and a couple beers after the game and whatever. And, and that's like, you know, two, three nights a week sometimes. And it's healthy. It's good. It gets you out, it gets you socializing, gets you talking, laughing and, and all that. And, and when you, you lose your driver's license because that all changes because now you can't drive properly and, and you can't get yourself to those places and you're relying a lot on other people. And then those other people don't really know how to deal with someone in a wheelchair or don't have a vehicle that can accommodate a wheelchair. You kind of slowly start to lose connections with people and, and you just kind of fall into the background and you focus on getting better and, and trying to uh, put yourself out there. But there's some days where it just gets, uh, gets tiring. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Speaking of tiring, like I just wanted to go back to kind of your, your home life when this all happened. Like, I mean, you had already gone through it with a, with an older child. And like, I know the <laughs> feeling of that first year, like you're exhausted as it is. Everything's kind of stressed and strained to the max. Like, yeah. And then this all happens. Like I, I can't imagine kind of just the added stress of having a one-year-old, like a, a toddler, an infant, and then yeah. going through this. And like, how have you, how have you found your relationship with your wife has kind of developed since then? Like, I, I imagine you guys must be incredibly close. My wife is a superhero. Yeah. Um, you know, I owe so, so much to her. She's been absolutely incredible. My rock through this entire process, mm-hmm. you know, the way she stepped up in the first year, um, when I was really still basically confined to a wheelchair for most of the first year of my recovery, um, she had to do everything. I mean, you know, I could do a little bit here, or there, I could read them a story or I could sit with them, but you know, I couldn't carry them around couldn't carry him around the house, couldn't carry him up and down the stairs. I couldn't lift him out of his crib. You know, it was all stuff that I was accustomed to doing and I had to just sit there and watch my wife do it. And just, you know, knowing how tired she was working a full-time job because, you know, her maternity leave ended basically when I went into injury. Yeah. So, you know, all of that happened all at the same time. So she was working full time, raising two kids, you know, the first, um, 
so the first three months I was in GF strong. And then when I left GF strong, I was unable to go straight home with my wife and kids because we lived in a uh, three-story townhouse. Oh, right. And with a wheelchair, that's not exactly very friendly. Yeah. I wasn't yet at the time able to go up and down stairs on my own. Um, so I had to live at my parents while I did some rehab to get to the point where I was strong enough to um, scooch up the stairs backwards on my butt using my uh, using my arms to kind of get me up there. And then my wife would carry the wheelchair up to the main floor and then uh, it would stay on the main floor. I wouldn't take it up to the bedrooms or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but to use the bedrooms and that, I would just scooch up on my on my butt and then I would uh, slide around the hallways and the upstairs floor on my butt because <laughs> uh, that was all I could do. I just wanted to be home with my wife and kids. And, and so I was just trying to find ways to work with my rehab team and, and push my body to the absolute max just to be with them because I knew that's where I needed to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I can imagine the draw to kind of get back home and your wife really does sound like a superhero. Like that's, that's incredible. And the, the fact that you guys kind of not only stuck together, but got stronger through it. That's, that's amazing. Like I don't have, I don't have anything that I can relate to this per se, but, <laughs> but like we've had, as we were talking about before, like, I mean, everybody's got their things that they go through and my wife and I, we went through a miscarriage and, you know, a lot of people I've heard, they kind of, you know, you kind of separate a little bit there creates a little bit of distance but no with us man like I, I i can relate that way like we just leaned in on each other for that kind of a thing and it's yeah. you know going through through experiences like that can really strengthen a relationship despite whatever kind of disasters or you know tough times you're faced with absolutely and i mean it, you know it it's almost encouraging and and uh you know warming in a way to know that our relationship is that strong and, and was built on the right things, you know, cause there are relationships that probably couldn't make it through this sort of thing, you know, for sure. They constantly talk about divorce rates and that sort of stuff and young, young people and, and how they are always on the rise and that, and, and to not become one of those statistics through something like this is just incredible in my opinion. Yeah, I don't man. care what anyone else has to say about it. I mean, the- <laughs> no, that's, that's a real Testament. And I, I, we feel the exact same way. My wife and I like, we'll talk about that, that kind of stuff. And just looking at the divorce rates, you're right in like young people, young couples. And, uh, and we've kind of said the same thing. Sometimes it's nice to kind of take a step back, look at what you've gone through and, uh, and kind of how you've gotten stronger through all those things. I think that's, that in itself is inspirational, let alone the rest <laughs> of your story. That's incredible. So let's, I mean, we can kind of change gears and move into yeah. kind of your recovery now and absolutely yeah. looking, looking kind of positively, like you were telling me when we had talked, uh, I guess it would have been two weeks ago now, but now you're, you know, you're able to walk with one cane and, you know, yes, yeah, like, yes. take me through that journey. That that's incredible. So yeah, like, uh, now that we're through the emotional stuff a little bit, the, the physical recovery has been interesting. Um, you know, you, you really find out what mind over matter means. And, and when you put your mind to it, what your body is capable of. Um, I went from completely paralyzed from the waist down to now where I'm at today. Um, my physiotherapist wants to get me back into ice skates and starting to train to get on the, on real skating upright yeah. 
skating um, before the end of 2020. Oh man, that's awesome. That's got to feel great playing like a, a hockey player. Like that's got to oh. be just a dream come true. I mean, I didn't realize how important it was to me until I lost it. And so, you know, going through this whole recovery, um, I started, so obviously I got a little off track there. I started, no, no, started good. in the wheelchair. Um, and my goal when I got into the rehab facility is I got in there and I told my physiotherapist, I said, I'm going to walk out the front door. And uh, she said, okay, that's a good goal to have, but let's maybe be cautiously optimistic. <laughs> let's tamper those expectations yeah. a little bit. Yeah. They're pretty good at like, you know, keeping you level-headed and whatever, but they also do push you. If that's really your goal, they'll push you. And if you're willing to push hard, they'll push you hard. And, and it was an amazing experience um, because I was, I was technically able to do it. Um, so throughout the process, I started on, on full leg braces and started walking on full leg braces in the parallel bars and then slowly started moving away from the parallel bars with some arm crutches and the full leg braces. And then, uh, you know, as my discharge date was rapidly approaching, it wasn't looking so hot, but then I had a couple of breakthroughs with some, some more muscles coming back and I, I was up on um, AFO ankle supports. And a two-wheeled walker, the last day of my rehab, I took my first 20 steps. Oh, man. Um, That's giving me chills. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> That's incredible. Like, just, just the timeline of that and the way it worked out. That's amazing. Yeah. So they weren't the strongest of steps, but they were made. And we didn't quite get a good video of me walking out the front door, but, but it was essentially... I did walk out of there, not the way I intended, not strutting and clicking my heels together. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, dream big, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. That's, that's so incredible. And like, yeah. I, I love the fact that you like, you know, now you're moving towards skating, like just these big, big steps forward, but th that's amazing. Yeah. Like, and you're right. I, I mean, this is again, in no way does it compare <laughs> compared to your thing, but even like through the whole Corona thing, like I just realized how much I missed hockey and that's, yeah. and that was just something, yeah. you know, that everybody went through together. And people, but, I bet. Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. that, I mean, that's another thing that I imagine kind of going through your recovery, especially at the beginning, what you were talking about with dealing with different friends who, you know, you kind of get disconnected with, you probably went through a lot of those emotions with Corona already. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. I, I yeah. was basically training for Corona for the last two years. I mean, this half year has been a breeze, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how I felt about it too. Just with the out of town work where you're just, you're in isolation for whatever, three weeks at a time. It's the, yeah. it's the same deal. You that's, just laugh at all the friends going crazy now, right? Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, you've got this great relationship with your wife and your kids and you know, it's perfect. Exactly. Where else I'd rather be right. No, I, I feel the exact same way, man. That's so cool. Like, and I know I was telling you, uh, kind of in our convo before we started recording, but I just, when, when I heard about your story, it really changed my perspective <laughs> on a lot of things that like I go through and I complain about. I'm like, man, like just shake your head a little bit. And what you had said back to that was amazing to me that even, that even you'll put your injury into perspective compared to the people that you saw at GF strong who were, were kind of, yeah, working, working their disability absolutely. as well at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was funny cause there's different levels of disability within that rehab hospital and, and it's kind of like, 
you know, the amputees are the best off, which is really? weird to say. Yeah. Because, yeah. That you know, struck me. Like, it's like, okay, so you got a foot cut off. Big deal. I lost use. Of, I lost the use of both, both my legs. Right. So come yeah. at me, bro. Like, and then, <laughs> then, then you get the quadriplegics who are like, I can't use my arms. So yeah. like, so like come over here and help me roll this one because i can't do it yeah. so you get a lot of that so the paraplegics are all friends with the quadriplegics because they need to help them with their stuff and then then you have the worst off we were like the brain injury patients who lose a piece of themselves and that's that's the hardest i think i, can, um, I can't imagine man like yeah i i can't yeah. imagine but it it helps you count your blessings for sure yeah. And I, I just think that your perspective to that, to be able to look at it that way, I think that's incredible. Like I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm caught a little bit speechless because I, I really, I find that incredible that you can still have that perspective to look around and be like, look, I'm lucky being in this situation. Yeah. It's, it's been strange to move to that perspective. Yeah. Um, there's obviously a lot early on where you feel like you drew the short straw or you won the wrong lottery and, and you have a lot of like, what ifs or, or why did this happen to me? What did mm-hmm. I do to deserve this? And, you know, you go through those like movie emotions of like, you know, what are the higher powers have against me? Like, who did I wrong? What, what happened? And what do I need to do to learn from this? Right. And, and how do I get better from it? Mm-hmm. How do I not waste this chance to do something better with my life was kind of all kind of happened throughout the whole process and changed really about halfway through when I was like, okay, I can do this. I can push myself a lot harder than I thought I could. And uh, yeah. So just progressed from there. When I left the hospital, I, I looked into some physiotherapy centers and my sister, one of my older sisters actually found one in, in Surrey that um, had some good recommendations and uh so i started doing um active physio there and then also in abbotsford at the hospital so i started going to physio for four days a week um right away as soon as i got home and i just pushed myself as hard as i could and i gradually progressed from uh walking you know 10 feet with the two-wheeled walker to walking 10 meters with two-wheeled walker and then walking 20 meters and 30 meters and we just kept going further and further to the point where, okay, now we're going to work on using um, walking canes, mm-hmm. some forearm canes. And, and we started doing that for a while. And eventually I got strong enough to work with two single point canes. Yep. And uh, once I got to the point where I was using two single point canes, I, I only used the chair at that point then for, you know, Costco visits or, or grocery visits when we need to go shopping and that. Um, but I essentially walking at that point. That's incredible, man. That, that just that comeback. I mean, you can take on anything if you can, if you can <laughs> come back from that. That's amazing. Like, and so what is the first thing that comes back? Cause even when you were saying like, just losing all feeling, like that's another thing that I, you know, it never really dawned on me. Like, does that start to come back first? And then like, and then the toes or like, so how does that work? It's kind of like a, it works like your body's stacked. So your vertebrae has certain levels and certain nerves control certain things in your body. And as you get lower, obviously the lower on your spinal cord, 
the lower on your body it controls. And uh, when your nerves are the further away from the spinal cord, the longer they take to regrow. So okay, feet, toes, ankles are all still not really working. Okay. Um, but they are showing signs of change. Um, skin sensation tends to be the last thing to change in certain areas. Um, muscle control or twitching, being able to use the muscle is kind of like the first sign that that sections waking back up. Okay. So when I woke up, it was essentially, I was able to like rock my leg back and forth. Like if I was laying down, I could kind of swing it from left to right. Just like gross, Just like gross motor movement, like big, big yeah. movements like that. Okay. Yeah. And that was the only muscle I had any control of for about the first week and a half. And then slowly my quad quadricep on the right side started to tighten up and I was slowly able to start straighten my leg a little bit. And then it, then the left leg started and then it just kind of works its way down the leg. So it was like quads first and then hamstrings second and then the glutes started and then, then you get a little bit of ankle movement. And just now this year I started to get the calf movement back. Um, just pre-COVID actually just started to get real strong um, signs of some movement in my calf muscles and that. And then throughout COVID, my one big toe started to move a little bit again. So, you know, it's all positive signs that things are still getting better. So I'm still not giving up, obviously. No, absolutely. I, I can tell just by the tone in your voice and kind of the attitude. And has COVID impacted your um, uh, kind of your recovery at all? It did impact my recovery a bit. It, it hindered, obviously, being able to go to physio as often as possible. Um, but my therapist and that had awesome tele-rehab options available and that. So I was able to work out at home, but it's not quite the same. Um, yeah. Before rehab, we were just about to get me going up to some higher speeds on the treadmill. Um, at my one physio in Surrey, they have a wonderful machine called the Locomat. Okay. And it's essentially like robotic legs that you can strap into that recreate the muscle memory and the walking gait that you used to have. And it assists you with walking with however much assistance you need. Um, oh, so you can have say... like maximum assistance or minimal assistance. You can also almost turn it down. So it resists you in the way that you can actually build muscle control and strengthen yourself by pushing against the machine. Oh man, that's amazing. Like the, just the technological advances, even with just the kind of the tele lessons where they can do it over yeah. like remotely. That's amazing. Yeah. And that machine, I mean, I owe so much to that machine. Like, uh, I, use, I was one of the first people to use it at this branch and, mm -hmm. uh, it, it changed everything about my recovery. You know, I was walking once a week now, every week, regardless of being assisted by a robot, I was up and moving those muscles and trying to do it myself and remembering what it felt like to do that. And we were just about to start going up to like just the body harness and not with the robot legs and, and maybe getting up to a bit of a jogging pace and that. And then it kind of came to a halt with COVID and we changed course a bit and kind of got uh, to a point where it was now just focusing on staying where I'm at 
and and continuing to strengthen the stuff that is strengthening. Yeah, kind of making sure you don't regress it all through that time. Yeah, essentially. And so that's kind of still where we're at right now. Um, I do work out at home and that and and do what I can. And it's funny, throughout the process, I actually got into the best shape I've ever been in my life. So oh, awesome. Know, while everyone's putting on their COVID-20, I'm just chilling here. I've, I've lost 60 pounds throughout the whole process and, and I, I've never felt better. Holy it's cow. funny. It's the silver lining through it all is like, it took a spinal cord injury to get me in shape. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy you can laugh at it. Like that, man, I honestly, like your story is incredible to me. Just, and, and not just your story, but your attitude kind of coming out of it. Like that, man, it's, it's, I, this honestly isn't coming as an empty word, but that is inspiring. Like to a lot of people, I feel like. Well, I mean, there's, there was a couple options for me, but it's funny because I hear that a lot. I hear a lot of people say the word inspiring and, and I never, ever thought I would be that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always popular. I had lots of friends and, and, you know, I didn't think I influenced people that much in their life or whatever, but, you know, I tried to help people or tried to set a good example. I tried to be a good person. And then realizing early on throughout my process that uh, just, just by doing what I'm doing and living my life became an inspiration to people. And it was shocking to me. And so I continued to like share my stories and share my progress and keep uplifting, uplifting those people. Cause that made me feel good, obviously. And I guess I'm hoping it was making them feel good. Well, I can promise you that in like that 10 minute conversation we had two weeks ago, it, it impacted me. Like I felt, I felt great. I had no idea kind of going into it. I just had a rough, rough backstory (laughs) from Josh and from texting back and forth with you a little bit. Um, But like I said, just kind of listening to the way that you conveyed yourself, like it, I don't know, just that, that alone and the attitude alone just impacted me. And it's something that, like I was saying, I've thought about a lot over the past two weeks, just since our 10 minute conversation. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, like when I say it, I don't mean it to come across empty at all or like, no, 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 I, uh, yeah, man, that's hard. Cause I, I never even know how to accept it. Right. Like it's just like, Yeah, I, I can imagine. <laughs> it's like yeah, you just want to give people the thumbs up. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, no. Sorry if I'm making you feel awkward. No, but, no, uh... <laughs> you're not making feel, no, no, no. I'm just explaining, like, sometimes people do say it and you do feel a bit awkward because you're like, okay, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just living. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm just trying to get better for my family and I'm just doing what I need, what I feel I need to do. Absolutely. And it, and sometimes I forget that that can be inspiring to people. Yeah. So even, even for me, I see people just living their life and that's inspiring to me, mm -hmm. but you know, you don't always make that connection when you're that inspiring person, I guess. Yeah. 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 I believe it. Well, I mean, at least it helps, it helps with the humility and everything too. Right. So I, 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 I love it. And so moving forward, so do you have, are you hoping to get kind of back, back on the ice, back into hockey one of these days? And well, yeah, it's the idea. Um, Maybe not uh, fully into hockey. Maybe just some like drop in here or there, just something to to ease the the thirst a little bit. But yeah, um, I don't know if I'd want to risk injury. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can imagine. 
you know, with the, with the couple of bones missing out of my lower back and knowing how guys get with cross checks and that, and maybe not till, till old timers or something, I'll get back on <laughs> out there on some regular ice, but I did try some sledge hockey a couple of times and, and it was a blast. It's just oh, really, yeah. The tough thing is, is that there's not a ton of programs throughout the Fraser Valley. There's a ton like Vancouver and Surrey. Mm-hmm. But then once you get outside of those major city sectors, there's just not a lot for people with disabilities to do. Yeah. And uh, it, it's one of the unfortunate things. And it's one of the driving factors with me wanting to get better and get back into regular sport and, and regular things, because it's just more available and it's just easier yeah. um, to pursue. Um, same with golf. I was a huge avid golfer and obviously I, I knew about, the power carts that can stand you up and you can swing with one hand or whatever actually growing up i actually used to golf with a fellow who who was paraplegic and he used a big cart and he could pipe it 200 yards with one arm and Mm -hmm. he was a huge inspiration to me but like you know i didn't think about how much of an inspiration he was until after my injury because for me he was just some dude i played golf with who used this awesome awesome chair Oh, I can imagine you probably, maybe that might've helped my mentality when I had the injury because I've never really looked at people as different. So, yeah. I imagine looking back on it after your injury kind of took on a whole new light in uh, in what he was doing. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it changed the perspective for sure. Like you look at that person and just realize everything they had gone through and you Mm -hmm. realize the time like in the world that they had gone through it and the, the lack of research and lack of like medical advances and just how hard it must've been for them knowing how hard it is for me. Yeah. You know, how would I not be able to push myself to get better with the things that are available to me, knowing that these people didn't have that opportunity. It just wouldn't make me a very, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night yeah man like yeah that's that's incredible and just your drive moving forward that's that's unreal so what uh what are you kind of working on now or what do you do you have any plans for kind of career down the road are you looking to getting back into Uh, right now i'm just kind of i'm i've been working for my employer still just kind of in an office role and doing some of that and just kind of seeing if that's maybe for me but at the same time i'm just kind of trying to find things that maybe make me a little more happy and, and, and use my, my story bet to better people and, and maybe help people that, that need a little bit of a push in life or, or whatever they might need, maybe even just a laugh. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, I realized throughout the process, how important video games were to my recovery um, because losing the social aspect and, and having a hard time connecting with my older friends um, throughout the last couple of years, I, I turned to video games and watching a lot of video games on online and, and watching streams and live streams and, and realizing what these communities can mean to people and, and how they are, are, they're not about the video game. It's more about the, the social experience and the sharing of laughs and, and just talking and, and having people there, you know, especially throughout this time with the pandemic and, and seeing how much more popular it's getting in that. So, you know, I've, I'm starting to dabble a little bit into live streaming and, and seeing if I can maybe develop a bit of a platform to share my story and maybe raise some money for some different charities and that. And, 
And uh, so that's one thing I'm getting into now and, and hoping to get back into some sports soon, obviously. And, and, and that, and I, I did um, pursue a little bit of um, some work with one charity called the rad society. Um, Very basic level meeting with the founder of that, that charity um, early on just to talk about some options because it's a newer charity and they're still just getting their feet wet. And, uh, you know, talking about using them as support for the live stream and then also what I can do to help them um, with their charity and getting getting their thing going. And what is their charity surrounded around? What, what causes so it support? The Rad Society supports um, athletic equipment for people with disabilities. Oh, OK. Um, however, what they want to do, it's like uh, they want to get big sea container boxes and they want to sell them to cities and they want the cities to be responsible for these boxes full of equipment for people with disabilities to just go and they just punch in a code and there's adaptive mountain bikes or adaptive golf, golf, uh, uh, carts or, you know, whatever someone might need to have a great recreational experience. Um, because this equipment is super expensive. Like it's insane how much they want to charge people who have already been dumped on. Yeah. No kidding. Your life has already changed the, the ability to, to make the same money as an able-bodied person is drastically reduced Mm -hmm. and altered. The second you have this type of disability or any form of physical disability for that matter. Yeah. Um, um, So it's just trying to open that opportunity to give more people like me who are stuck in a city who doesn't really have programs. If they had one of those boxes, I could go down there. I could rent a mountain bike and I could go for a bike ride. Right. And I'm not relying on raising $10,000 to buy an adaptive mountain bike. No, exactly. You just use it when you, when you want to. Yeah. And so, you know, and then the society maintains the equipment and makes sure that's all good and that, and, and that's kind of what they want to push for. And they kind of want to get those happening in, in different cities and that. So I kind of met with that founder and it really interested me. And it's something that, you know, I'm going to pursue a little further once, once I get a little more rounded with my recovery and, and the physical side starts to settle down, I do get a lot of like nerve pain issues from like the regrowth of nerves. It's basically like being electrocuted or stabbed or cut apart with a chainsaw some days. Jesus Christ, you're, <laughs> you're giving me the heebie-jeebies over here. Well, yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy because like you can't quantify pain for some people but it's not pain i would wish upon anyone in the world it's it's the worst i've ever felt like i i would rather break a bone oh man yeah yeah just from your explanation there i mean i'm very familiar with being electrocuted so yeah yeah. (laughs) and i know i wouldn't i would never voluntarily go for that uh so go just a tickle yeah just a tickle at 120 it's just a tickle yeah oh yeah uh, so i was going back to a couple things you said like about that uh that online community I, I just, I loved what you were talking about that. I mean, it's been a long time since I've, I've been able to really play video games online. Like um, my heyday was probably Halo 2 and Modern oh, yeah. Warfare 1 and yeah. 2, right? But Perfect, yeah. <laughs> I definitely didn't have the, uh, 
I don't know. I didn't have the mentality that you do. I was just on there shit talking 15 year olds, you know? <laughs> well, I was back then too, right? Oh like, yeah. So I was born and raised in SOCOM too. So it was toxic oh. as hell in there, man. Oh man. I, <laughs> I'm very familiar with what you're talking about, but that's, that's cool that it's kind of evolved because I mean, obviously we kind of grew up with that online gaming era. So yeah. all the, all the idiot 13 to 15 year olds are now, you know, 30 to 35. And yeah. uh, that's cool that it's, it's kind of developed that network. I, I mean, one day I may be able to get back into it, but with four boys running around, I haven't had a chance. But, yeah, uh, no, it's been tough. It's, it's, it's something that my wife has been accepting of letting me utilize as my escape. And yeah. So it's kind of like something that I use as a balance for my social life. So, yeah. And it's cool that you've kind of been able to adapt that to, not take the place of, but at least kind of supplement the social life that you, you missed out on. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just that, that void, you know? Yeah. Like, and another thing you talked about was even just trying to do things that are making you kind of happier now. So going into your, your live streaming, not necessarily, you know, like how you're figuring out if this whole office job is for you or whatever. And I can definitely relate to that too. I mean, I'm, I honestly, I love electrical. I love the trades world, but this kind of podcast is just my passion project at this point. Like I, you know, trying to, I'm not even focusing on trying to grow an audience at this point. It's just, but yeah, you're absolutely. right. You're right. Just having that something that you really love that you really can just kind of, kind of pour into. I, I think that's awesome. I, I really like that you touched on that point. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what my stream is based on. You know, I'm not making it, I'm not doing it to make money. I'm not doing mm -hmm. it to be famous. And that's, I'm just a dude playing video games. And if you want to talk about spinal cord injury stuff, sure. Let's talk about spinal cord injury stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm just a regular dude that went through some shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, yeah, I get that sense from you. That's, that's awesome. Just, yeah. And uh, what else was I going to say here? Um, oh, even with that, the rad charity that you were talking about, I mean, I, I feel like I have really nothing to give at this point. I think I have an exposure <laughs> of like, you know, 30 to 40 people that are subscribers to this. But if this thing grows, man, like that's something that I would love to get involved into too. That just sounds like such a great project. Cause like you said, like the money earning kind of ability, once you have these disabilities drops down and the expense of those, of all the, the different sports equipment, like, man like oh, and even your necessities like yeah. your, your necessary equipment is insane i mean my wheelchair was six grand Jesus. and i don't even use it anymore yeah that's right? wild and, and you know the the fact is is that if i didn't have extended health care i would have had to like write a sob story to the ministry to to re to finance my chair yeah. like they don't deem it a medically necessary piece of equipment and man, that's kind of like when i was supposed to crawl my ass home like yeah. What, yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> it, that's your mobility. It's how you roll, yeah. like get around. That's yeah, yeah, man. So yeah. You learn I, a lot of, you learn a lot of the, the bad, which, you know, you could talk about forever, right? but you know, I want to be one of the people who focuses on the good and focuses on the positive. And if I can change some of the bad without really, you know, calling it out or, or being negative towards it, then, then that's what I want to do. Man, I can't, I can't honestly think of a better spot to kind of leave off. I think that, <laughs> like I was going to actually ask you another question that I'm thinking like, well, that was like the perfect send off. Like I, that really sums everything up that we've talked about and kind of your attitude from what I'm gathering. Like I, uh, 
yeah, I really, I really appreciate this. I wanted to kind of give you um, a few minutes here to plug, plug your channel, plug whatever you're doing or whatever you would like people to look at. Like I said, it's not a huge audience, but it's growing. And yeah, um, no, for sure. I mean, yeah. obviously check out Rad Society, um, the Rad Society and their website and, and look into the things that they're doing and trying to do. And then uh, if anyone's interested in hanging out, they can catch me on Twitch, Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash dustin underscore n underscore bustin <laughs> <laughs> i like it so uh yeah it's uh i i stream every now and then uh i'm gonna start kind of making a more regular schedule here in the next couple weeks once i work all the bugs out and the technical difficulties and that you know i'm 33 i i i'm still learning you know, oh, man. you see these 14 year old kids and they got these like professional live streams and all this pro equipment it's like what what is happening here oh i'm so familiar i'm i'm doing this podcast <laughs> in my basement right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I i picked up a mic and i figured out how to edit it that's it yeah like yeah yeah i know i i hear you i'm way behind the eight ball on technology too so, so yeah no but yeah that's where i'll be and you know any anything i i can generate revenue wise through that i'm gonna try and repurpose into obviously one making the stream better and and two um, being an advocate for those different charities and different causes for people with disabilities and, and trying to give back as much as I can, because they've done so much for me, um, in my short time as a person with a disability. And, and I'm one of the people who's, who's, who's going to be able to push a lot further than, than others. And I'm being blessed with a, a pretty strong recovery when it comes to, to spinal cord and, and knowing what, having the full gambit of like what a paraplegic goes through because I was there and, and basically being reborn and, and going through everything you would essentially go through as a baby, as an adult, mm -hmm. it just forces you to, to give back essentially. Well, man, if you have the ability. So, yeah, man, I, I love that message. And again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Well, like if you're open to doing this again down the road, I'd love to. I'd love to kind of catch up, see where your recovery is going, how, how yeah, far of course, you've gotten. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, man. Awesome. Well, I think that'll be it for tonight. Um, awesome. I hope I didn't ramble too much. No, not <laughs> at all. Not at all. I love this. I was glued into this. So thank you so much. No problem. I thank you. And uh, I hope everything goes well with your podcast and we'll talk to you soon. Once again, thank you all for listening again this week. Uh, I couldn't have imagined that interview going any better. I want to thank Dustin again for coming on. I really enjoyed talking to him. I was glued into kind of his perspective and just the, the different ways he looks at everything now after all he's gone through. I think it's incredibly inspiring, and I wish nothing for the best with him on his Twitch channel and everything in the future, and uh, we're definitely going to do a follow-up here in a little bit. Uh, so that, once again, is his Twitch channel is Dustin underscore n underscore bustin uh he'd also like you to check out the radsociety.ca and then uh yeah that's that's going to be it for today i hope you'd found some value in this week's episode if you did and are interested in more content like this please rate comment subscribe and recommend the podcast to a friend i really appreciate all the feedback you guys have given me to this point and look forward to hearing from you again as always the podcast page is the plaid jacket philosopher on facebook and at jacket plaid on twitter that concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support, and especially to those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you all again soon.